Welcome to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Today we're taking a trip down memory lane. I have absolutely no idea what this is all about. This is this is not a trick. This is not one of these deals where it's a stump the shepherd right out of the gate. But I've been told we're going to take a trip down memory lane. So let's let's go down memory lane. Originally, I was going to call this podcast Chemical Memory. But after a little bit of research, I kind of figured that that was very precise in terms of what we really wanted to cover and we wanted to cover memory as a whole memory. oh okay as a, so as a w-h-o-l-e oh, okay H-O-L-E. all right so yeah. we're talking about memories memory uh, okay no I, not memories just memory the function memories, of memory press between the pages and so oh, uh, yeah and and we're we're definitely not talking about the musical cats, where they have that memory song. Oh, that Elaine Page woman. No, I, it, no, no I, that's I, who sang that song. No, cats. I, yeah, but I do not want to talk about cats. It, you know, that gets me all bent out of shape, and then I get all angry and I start throwing things and yeah. everything. So let's please not talk about cats. We are going to uh, on one podcast uh, talk about cats. So uh, maybe that's going to be one of those imperatives that we. Yeah, you're going to have to do that by yourself. Yeah, I, I I can't talk yeah, about cats. Uh, I'm you gonna... know how. <laughs> it's cats, cats, and Canadians. It, that's yeah. that's what gets yeah. me bent out of shape. Yeah, I'm gonna do a Zoom call with Squibbles the cat from mm. Michigan. Oh, let's not do that. Yeah, let's yeah. not do that. So on on the topic of memory, it's one of those topics where there's a lot of gray areas because it doesn't matter how many websites you click on from reputable sources as such. There is a lot of variation in the approach to, I guess, once you get outside of the basic um, agreed upon principles of what memory is and how it happens, that okay. it go flies off into a lot of different directions where people can't agree upon it because it's, you know, like with anything with the brain and the way it works, you know, that once it goes into different branches you know with biology and psychology etc you get it crosses so many different disciplines that people can't necessarily agree almost like our podcast where we go down different rabbit holes all the time even though we try not to do that yeah but we fail horribly with it well i mean this was actually one of the, one of the first podcasts we've done where after doing some research I feel I actually understand less about it than before I did it. But that was partly because of ignorance, but also some of the stuff I got thrown in front of me because I got so many different views on it where it just wasn't agreeing. Stuff I thought was kind of true before, I'm now kind of questioning whether it is true and whether I just took it from the wrong source originally. Probably. Right, yeah. You probably probably did. Yeah. So Let's be honest. You probably did. I probably did, yeah. I've got to get out of this, you know, just read the first 10 results on Google and just take that. Oh, are you down to 10 now? It used to be like five or six because you didn't want to scroll down. Now, oh. are you scrolling down? Are, are you actually kind of getting out there and saying, I'm going to go ahead and roll that scroll wheel down on my mouse and see what's down past what's on my screen no i actually set my text to smaller so now i can oh. see all the in, uh, the headings better and so now i just click on the one which sounds or looks oh. most interesting okay well yeah. that makes more logical yeah. sense so anyway i wanted to give a basic background of 
what memory is and and okay. it's and it's actually not that complicated in terms of what's agreed upon like i said it's just once we get outside of that what's agreed upon that you know it goes into areas which it does it matter really if we do know or don't know about that there seem to be certain things regarding memory where okay i have an understanding of what constitutes memory but once you start kind of branching out is it important to know those things to have a conversation? Possibly not. Right. And, and of course, we're not yeah. talking about the kids game where you have the little pictures on the cards and you lay them out on the carpet and you try to match, you know, a turtle for a turtle or a star for a star. We're not we talking about be. that game. We might be at some point. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So anyway, basically, um, you know, to create a memory, the first step is encoding. Okay. And that begins with... A perception because not everybody remembers the same event or situation the same it isn't that where the whole eyewitness account comes from where they, they talk about uh you know the cops or whatever and they have eyewitness accounts and yeah. they always say you know you can have multiple eyewitness accounts yeah. and they see the the same event yeah. but they describe them differently well that comes from that saying you know perception is reality it's not it's your reality ah. and even that can change right once you start remembering extra facts or you take away bias and stuff your memory can almost be reprogrammed that you know whatever confirmation bias you had at the time might have affected you the recall of that memory Thanks and so sense. and so like i said encoding is that first step in creating a memory so and that you know, starts with that perception. So maybe a good example, if you're thinking about it, let's think. Uh, if you, Say you're falling in love for the first time, right? Okay. And I don't, I mean, with, you know. Please like, stop looking at me that way. Like, like a lady. Let's, no, let's not do this. Well, yeah, I thought no, we were going to start you, talking about potato chips or pizza. With a lady, yeah. if you're falling in okay. love with a lady, all right, right? All right, fair enough. Right? Um, your visual system first kind of registers things you like, like physical features, all right? Like sure. eye color, hair, and stuff. And that's the thing. And that's something you can experience at a distance, right? Okay. So maybe 30 yeah. feet, or if your eyesight's really good, you know, 50 feet across the room, you can, room, you can see somebody who actually looks attractive to you. Makes sense. Right? Yeah. Um, and actually, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. There's mm. something in England called the Afghan hound principle, right? You know what? I, no, Afghan hounders? No. It's a breed well, of well, the dog. dog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what it is, yeah. Um, I don't want to get any, any more trouble with Afghanistan than we're already in at the moment, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but the Afghan hound, um, it's like a greyhound with a big kind of Lady Gaga wig on it, right? Mm-hmm. And the Afghan hound principle is that if you're in a car with your friends and you're following another car and you see what looks like a beautiful blonde in the back seat and you just see these flowing locks of blonde hair as time passes you actually begin to convince yourself oh my goodness i bet she's really pretty and you know she's got a great figure and this and this and there comes to a point where you pull up next to that car and you look in the back seat and it turns out to be an afghan hound so your perception base and you know combined with your um confirmation bias has actually led you to believe something or convince you of something which was never a reality in the first place and so that perception is something which can become very very muddied and it's different to every single person experiencing a certain situation yeah, which is why it, that encoding is very very important uh, the big question is 
in the car that you're in, are you in an Uber and the Afghan hound is driving the car? No, it's not a Tesla, the one oh, car in front of you. Okay. I right, just want to make sure. Although if the Afghan hound can afford a Tesla, maybe she's probably worth, so. maybe she's worth dating anyway. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I yeah, mean, very well might yeah, be. Yeah, we're not um, we're not anti-species dating no, on this podcast. No, absolutely no, not. So. Yeah, we we don't want yeah. to get that hashtag cancel culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, last yeah. thing we want. The shepherd yeah. won't fall in love with a dog, so we're no, canceling him. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. So um. Cats are evil, though. Cats yeah. are evil. Yeah. yeah. We're going to... We will go on record of saying yeah. that. Yeah. In uh, Canadian. <laughs> so, um, like I said, you know, when your visual system registers those things like the physical features, those can change with more exposure, you know, and environment. So, say if somebody looks attractive from 30 yards away when they get closer they might look less attractive because you notice more certain features like their skin might be really terrible or their hair looks right terrible or whatever so but again that's that initial you know perception through your eyes now when the other senses come into play say like again we're using the whole fall in love scenario um you know your auditory system picks up maybe the way they talk or laugh Sure. And that can, you know, add to it and you can give some kind of padding or a free pass to certain other senses if, say, something like the, you know, perception overrules it. So, say, what looks like a really hot girl, you can let go if she's got an annoying laugh for a while, but not the other way around. Somebody with a pretty laugh, but you're not attracted to her physically, the laugh's not necessarily going to change your mind that oh that's a really pretty person just because they have a nice laugh or a nice sounding voice sure and it kind of goes back to trying to sell a car i always heard the term of the 30-foot car right you you look at a car today in a picture on the internet and you say that's a good looking car it doesn't look bad paint looks good whatever and 30 foot away that car looks good but then the closer you get you pop the hood you realize hey, there, there's some problems with this car. It, it, when you take that deeper dive, you realize there's some problems with what I'm trying sure. to buy yeah. here. Yeah, and those, like I said, those extrasensory perceptions can uh, bring in a completely different, you know, additional subtraction to your initial perceptions. And so, you know, even something like, again, coming into the falling in love thing, you know, maybe the smell of that person or, if you know, you... Uh, shook their hand, whatever, you, you might remember or encode, you know, things such as the shake of the hand, you know, the touch of their skin, the smell sure. of them, their perfume and stuff. And so, you know, all of those sensory inputs, they actually travel um, to the part of your brain called the hippocampus. Um, Hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. Well, it's like, Hip yeah. Hippocampus. Well, you know, like if you've got, a, you know, a hippo who goes to college, where does he live? He lives on campus. Hippocampus. Yeah, but how many hippos can they fit in a dorm? Well, it depends how big the campus is. Oh, fair enough. You know, somewhere like UNT, I mean, probably a lot. Somewhere yeah. where I went to school, TCU, not so many hippos. Well, yeah, because the hippos can't write a check yeah. to get into TCU. Right, yeah. They'd have to be pretty smart to get a scholarship there as well. Mm -hmm. And, hey, listeners, keep, the moment, keep the moment telling we... yourself that. You keep telling <laughs> yourself that. The reason we're joking about this is because it's going to ingrain it in your mind now. You're going to remember hippocampus. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, look right. how tricky yeah. you're being. Oh, so that, that That's yeah. that super expensive... <laughs> 
yeah, education yeah, you got. Yeah. Yeah. Where you stroke that jet. <laughs> I, yeah. I get it. I got a full scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so all those different sensory perceptions, uh, they integrate into a single experience. And the hippocampus, along with the frontal cortex, actually analyze all of that crap and basically decide pretty much without your conscious permission that they consider it worth remembering. And so memory, so I mean, a joke about this is um, when I say about without your permission, you know, there are certain things you remember and you don't understand why on earth did I remember that? Okay. And, you know, I saw a meme about somebody laying on a memory foam mattress and, the, and they were trying to get to sleep and the memory foam was speaking to them going, hey, remember that time you pissed yourself in fifth grade? You know, so I mean, it, <laughs> right. it, it does become like of those sensory things. And that or remember be, when yeah. you went hogging yeah, in, yeah. in <laughs> what you did to yeah. this mattress? That, yeah. that was terrible. Yeah. And, and the, the whole memory foam mattress is screaming, saying, please don't do this to me again. Please <laughs> don't do this to me again. But it's, uh, like I said, it can almost bypass the sensory experience Experiences can bypass your conscious decision whether something is worth memorizing because you don't on the spot sure a lot and in those situations be like oh I need to remember this I need to remember this about this but your brain kind of decides for you at least the hippocampus and the frontal cortex um, decide that this is a memory that is worth holding on to but it also holds on uh, like I said to a bunch of crap where you're kind of like why on earth do I remember this when I was five years old when really I can't see it has any significance you know you might remember you know a specific drawing around a specific animal in class and I remember in pre-k drawing around you know some dinosaurs in class and there's no reason for me to have that memory that sure. it wasn't like the you know classroom was on fire and it's like oh i know what i was doing you know back in the great fire of whenever there's no reason for me to remember that but there's other stuff which i wish i could remember which had a lot more You've significance forgotten. and you know it had it at the time and it probably still has it now but i can't remember that many details about it right. so your brain's not always kind of well rather your subconscious brain is not really always kind of a right hand in hand with the conscious thing so yeah. i mean yeah so i mean if we go back to the whole encoding bit right um the memory is stored you know kind of using electricity and chemicals and that's why i originally was going to call this podcast you know chemical memory because that's the basic function of, sure you know recording memory i guess right but it doesn't actually work very well if you're not paying attention ah in terms okay. of de certain details will slip away so you know like you use the example of, say, if somebody's at a crime scene and you've got a witness to who did the crime, if you weren't necessarily paying attention, you don't really kind of recollect oh, too many yeah. details. Oh, they were so tall, you know, they were between four foot one and seven foot nine. You know, that it could have been an African-American or a Chinese you know right dissident or yeah but, you know, maybe, but it, maybe it but was if, a squirrel, I don't know. Sure, yeah. but if you're not paying attention then there's reason to believe that nobody can write this down properly. Right. You know, it's kind of like taking notes in college. If, if you're not paying attention, you're not going to take good notes. Right. But if you're paying attention to what's going on, you're writing the notes down. You're saying, okay, these are important points or whatever. So you're taking notes. So most of the time, we're just skipping along through life you know, going from place to place, going to the drive-thru, getting our food and doing whatever. Then an event happens, and we're not really paying attention to that event. 
and all of a sudden we're told that we need to recall details of that event, and we realize, well, I wasn't really paying attention. I was also in a state of possibly fear, possibly, you know, stress, whatever, so I can bastardize those details and try to fill in the blanks. Yeah, but that that comes again down to those kind of sensory perceptions, but also physiological and psychological inputs. So, you know, I mean, again, humans through chemical memory have, you know, a fight or flight, you know, thing. Sure. And, you know, anything which causes, you know, through you know, your perceptions, say a physiological response, you're more likely to remember that instant. But if it doesn't elicit any type of physiological response, it doesn't make your heart pound, doesn't make you feel worried or anything, again, you're less likely to pay attention to it or less likely to remember it. So, you know, what what went into your short-term memory doesn't necessarily, you know, go through to your long-term memory because it's not considered important. But again, you know, going back to some of the stuff I do remember... I struggle to remember why on earth that would have been important. Right. I can't remember being that excited at drawing round a Tyrannosaurus Rex when I was four years old that I can still remember doing that in that class. Right. There, there was something subconsciously that made you remember that. And you can't put yeah, a pin on it. can't put my finger it, on it. Yeah. Yeah. But it could have been, I mean, it might have been events surrounding that and that's the only thing I necessarily you know, remember which timestamps mm-hmm. that. And yeah, I mean, it's a tricky kind of thing because we can't work it out ourselves without additional information. And now right. if somebody came back, you know, some time traveler went back and brought us, you know, into the future, you know, that class and however long it lasted, there might have been things that happened in that class which maybe have been significant, which I've forgotten. But the only thing I could timestamp in my conscious memory that I can recall is that drawing around a dinosaur. So right. I don't know. It, get, it gets tricky, and that's where you get, you know, the whole process itself is known as neurobiology, and that's, you know, comes down to, again, the chemistry of memory, which is why, like I said, I wanted to call it, you know, chemical memory. Yep. But um, your memory RNA is like lowercase m, and, you know, RNA, which is like rinucleic acid as opposed to DNA dinucleic acid. Um, that actually encodes the proteins that are responsible for shaping or like, I guess, structuring the cells in the um, neurons. And that, again, is how all these memories are formed sure. and everything. So, I mean, that that's pretty much the basics, which, you know, maybe even if you've studied the topic, that is pretty much what everybody agrees on. Okay, It's once we get past that, you know, once you get past basic neuroscience, that's where it all starts getting a little bit gray and a little bit fuzzy. People, people with you know crossing disciplines decide that some of these things are done with far more influence in factors than rather it just being chemistry. Sure, you know that environment yeah, pressure causes you to remember events. You know, say like if you've got people around you and you've got peer pressure, you can believe just because of other people's perception. Well, maybe I you know, didn't read that properly, you know, maybe I didn't see this properly, and you start convincing yourself what you saw wasn't what you saw. Right. Maybe I went and saw episode eight of Star Wars, and And I really liked it. Yeah, no, no, that's not a good example. I don't think anybody's going to agree with that. Well, some people might. 
Yeah. Once it, again, uh, sorry, George, you like this, but yeah, it, maybe there's three people out there that yeah. thought that was a good movie. Yeah. So we're gonna skip from that okay. immediately to the stump the shepherd section. Oh, here we go again. And this okay. is um, you know, th this is one where it, it covers topics which, again, I think people have a view on, but maybe have not been that interested or that informed to really know the answer but okay. everybody everybody's kind of heard of these type of terms or gotcha. things but it's probably been misconstrued through movies and just bad right. literature and everything else or just people yeah like so, us who have probably guessed on it and yeah you know, so in the past. so we're we're here to clear all this up we, yeah. we're we're going to explain to everybody how to clear this well up. as far as the first page of google can clear up Yes. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So first of all, how long do you think short-term memory lasts? At least in definition of short-term memory. Oh, okay. Short-term memory. I'm going to go with uh, 48 hours. No. You see, you can hold about seven specific images or events or objects in your brain for about 20 to 30 seconds. Once you, once you get past that, you either forget the exact details, you'll forget numbers off of that in terms of the number of objects, the color of an object, the size of an object. Right. You know, after 20 to 30 seconds, everything you saw and everything which wow. came in sensory, you tend to, it starts dropping off. So if you take something like a phone number, right, it's easier to break a phone number down into sections. Sure. Rather than it is just well, remembering and, the individual numbers in a long string. And that's why they've always done that. You know, you got the area code, you've got the exchange, you got yeah. the last four mm -hmm. digits yeah. in, in America. You told me what your phone number was yeah. over in England years ago. I'm like, that yeah. doesn't even look like a phone number. Right. What are you talking about? And you said, well, this is the way phone numbers were over there. And yeah. I said, well, I couldn't memorize that phone number because it was always easy to yeah. memorize seven digits, yeah. breaking it into three digits and four digits yeah. over here before you had to put the area code in front of it. Yeah. And then most of the time, you're like, okay, well, you know, in North Tarrant County, mm -hmm. everybody had 817, so... That was kind of easy to throw 817 in yeah. front of it, but yeah. uh, no, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, the next, the next question is a um, bit of an unfair one to ask, unlike normally. Oh, uh, oh because yeah. again, because this, you're always yeah. super fair am, with these questions. Yeah. <laughs> because I ask questions which are a yes or no, but both answers are wrong. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, and this is one where I actually found, you know, even within a few, I guess, uh, respected bodies that there was quite a significant difference to the answer okay. you know depending who was weighing in what peer studies they'd reviewed right. everything else you know you really had to and this was something which i actually had to study a little bit further before i understood why there was this kind of differentiation and okay. it's um what are the four main or kind of basic different types of memory the four yeah Types basic of basic types of memory. There's four basic, and there's some subsets, um, wow, but the four I, I, basic I, I, ones. You're kidding me, right? I, I mean, we've already talked about three of them, but you can't remember them. Ironically, no. It, it, apparently, <laughs> it, it it was more than thirty <laughs> seconds ago, so I can't remember yeah. this. So, uh, I'm gonna go with E. None of the above. Uh, uh, no, 
that's because they because yeah. I don't have a yeah. clue yeah. of what you're asking. Now me. you have um, sensory, which no, which is brief. It lasts for about three seconds. Oh, okay. So yeah. this is the sensory end. We're going memory. okay. Sensory yeah. memory. Okay. And that yeah. we talked about that first. Remember about what starts with the encoding. It's the perception through sensory input, and that lasts for about three seconds before you make up your mind. Just like if you walk in a room. You'll make up your mind whether it's hot or cold. Right. You know, you make up your mind whether somebody's pretty or not okay. pretty. So, under normal so this goes to the yeah. the traditional five senses, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, um, within that, yeah. I mean, yeah. so sensory memory, and so that and that normally lasts for about three seconds before wow. you stop paying attention to it because you've already made your mind up what those things are according to your senses right. now. Okay, so so what about some kind of memory where you memorize a data set, it, kind of like what we were talking about with phone numbers? Yeah, uh, is that one well, of these? I, that's more of a subset of one of these four oh, main ones. See, you're getting so difficult now. <laughs> you, you know, well, this is what it, happens it, when you can't it, find people who agree with each well, other on the well, internet. Yeah, yeah, but but you're you're making sure that you can stump me, and now the questions are getting so hard that I feel like I'm on final jeopardy right. right now. Yeah, which we have agreed you'll never get invited on. So, yeah, yeah. Now oh, short absolutely. term, now short term memory. We mentioned that one, right? Yeah, the thing for twenty to thirty seconds. And oh, that's okay. Gone. So we right. so we have sensory memory. Yeah. We have short term memory. So now so what, I'm what, gonna go with long term right, memory. Long term. Oh, yeah. look at me go. Yeah, look at that okay, one. Okay, okay. So that's I a got, participation trophy. On yeah, that one, yeah, yeah. There we go. So and I the other one is uh, <laughs> yeah. And the other one, the main one, is a working memory, and that kind oh. of, that overlaps a little bit with short term memory. And that's what you need to remember to perform a task. So say if I asked you to do something, I said, you know, take this out of the refrigerator and then get this out of here. And then, you know, maybe go put some butter from the other refrigerator on, you know, the bread and make the sandwich, then heat it up in the microwave and bring it back to me. You know, you remember the information to perform that task. So it's work in memory. Right, but but is this the same problem that we have whenever you get something out of the freezer and the instructions of how to cook it is oh, you have on the package? <laughs> and so you take everything out, you put it on the pan because it says unwrap the package, yeah. put it on a nonstick pan, preheat the oven to 350, and then you do all that, you throw the package away, and then you're looking at the pan, you preheated the oven to 350, you put everything in, then you realize, oh, what's next? Do do I need to do anything in between here, or do I just drag it out and well, eat it? I'm kind of glad you brought that up, because it was a little bit about what we were talking about before, where other factors come into play. Okay. So with your working memory, in terms of having to remember a set of instructions depending upon the importance of, say, you carrying out that task, your ability to be able to memorize those things. So like if, say, your boss said to you, Shepard, go do this, you're more likely because of what you perceive as the importance of following those instructions correctly, of following it correctly, even if there's more steps in it than like the example you gave of making yourself something because if you mess up you know all right i'll go reread the instructions and you know i'm the only you know recipitor if something goes wrong with it perhaps and so you know the importance of being able to remember something psychologically in right. terms of peers and everything else actually changes your ability to be able to remember something okay so that's why i said it starts getting into gray areas where you have factors environmental peer pressure all this other stuff coming in and that's why these four main types of memory 
when they start splitting off into different types of short-term memory, different types of sensory memory, etc., that it, there seems to be a little bit of conflict across different disciplines as to which correctly defines what constitutes those subsets of those four types of memory. So is that why I can walk into a room and I can say, I came into this room to get something. Right. And I don't know why I'm in this yeah. room and what I'm supposed to get. Yeah. And um, I remember actually... I can't remember who the comedian is, which is great because we keep giving oh, so many, yeah. so many here, examples here, of stuff we can't remember. Yeah, in this and, and here we go. Yeah, here we go. You <laughs> can't remember something. <laughs> and um, you said, uh, "You know that?" Oh, thing look, where look, you walk at, into, look at you drawing yeah. the blank here. Yeah. No, so, you, so I was you trying to remember, remember how. No, that. I was trying to remember how he said it. He goes, "You remember those times when you just walk into a room and forget what you went in there for?" He goes, "I wonder if that's how dogs spend their entire lives." Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and a bit and again it comes down to like, well, you know, there's not that much important in a pet dog's life, a domesticated dog, that it really has to remember, and so it goes through most of its life very reactionary and it only learns certain things based upon the reaction from remembering or performing certain tasks, like right. reacting to keywords or whatever, and we'll get into that later. But you know, if it had honestly been that important to you, then you would not have walked into that room and forgotten about it. But then again, we say that, and you think of how many people who get to an airport and they've forgotten the passport. And it's like, what's the one thing which is going to stop you from flying? It's not going to be because you didn't, you know, pack the shampoo and conditioner or the almonds you like to snack on late at night. Why is it you forgot the one most important thing where without that, Everything else you did was completely meaningless. Right, but what you're leaving out is the distractions. So people get distracted. Well, yeah, because but then it, why it, is trying the priority to not there? Yeah, but it, but they're trying to accomplish a task, right? They, they go into that room. They say, you know, i got to go in here. I've got to get my wallet and my car keys and my phone. Right. And then they go in, they grab their wallet and their car keys... And then their wife says, hey, did you take the trash out? And you say, well, no, I didn't take the trash out. I'll go do this. Then they go take the trash out. They hop in the car. They leave. They realize they forgot their phone because they were distracted well, because they had step one, two, and three. They made it through one and two, but then they got distracted. They forgot to accomplish three because there was some kind of distraction there that alleviated them from the fact that they had to grab their phone. I think that depends on the type of person because I think, you know, I mean, talking about, you know, myself, I mean, I actually prioritize not necessarily consciously what I need and along each step, the importance of that to my overall goal. And right. so, you know, the bottom part of the list might be things where if I didn't remember to do them, it wouldn't affect my overall goal. It might diminish your way from the experience or stop me being able to do certain things but i would know that you know not taking my passport not having the car keys not having my phone would lead to such a detrimental effect that you know those type of things i never tend to forget but you get some people whose brains do absolutely not prioritize anything else and like i said they'll remember shampoo but not their passport yeah. You know, they'll remember to bring a packet of tissues, but not the keys to get into the, you know, holiday home they're going to visit. Right. And so, you know, I mean, that's a 
those type of brains and why people think like that again goes off into a whole different realm of psychology which isn't specifically down to I mean obviously it is about memory but why some people fail to remember things which are important whereas others you know subconsciously can actually make that list uh, again there's there's lots of different theories with that I mean makes sense so um and this is a question I'm going to ask you and the reason I'm asking you this one is because I know you've heard of it but we're presented with this purely through, I guess, um, media, through movies and stuff. And so we believe this is something which is definitely a thing, but okay. we probably don't realize it's not so much of a thing as we think it is. So um, right. I'm going to ask you this. Is photographic memory a real thing? No. Yes. No. And no. It's, it's not. It's yes and no. It doesn't uh. mean, well, it doesn't mean you remember everything. No, right, because I, I just went, the things I, you pay attention to, right? And I've went through this because yeah. I, when I want to, I have a very good memory. You know yeah. this about me, but I I always thought I had a photographic memory until I kind of looked into that and realized that doesn't really truly exist. You have a different way of remembering things. Yeah. Well, some people have something called a, it's a, an eidetic memory. Yeah, And that's kind of like photographic memory. And things they actually pay attention to, they can pretty much remember every exact detail to a point where even if regular people stood there and studied it for hours, would still not be able to recollect right. well, that information. And, and so photographic memory is a easy way to describe that eidetic memory. Yeah, and, uh, and it's actually like between 2 and 10% of people have some form of eidetic memory. Sure. And, you know, it, it just means that that encoding, as we started off talking about, that occurs in the things you pay attention to, but it's kind of just on a higher level, you know, and for right. whatever reason. Now, if you'd have said like 0.02% of people have eidetic imagery, you know, that kind of photographic memory, as you want to call it, then you'd think, okay, then I can kind of believe that, but up to 10%, that's when it starts being, all right, well, maybe I don't believe in photographic memory that right. much because that's surely one in 10 people is too high of a percentage for people who are yeah, that but, good at remembering but, things. But you have people like you and I, and we have pretty good memories when we decide that we're actually we going right. to care about it yeah. or focus on it and yeah. say, hey, I, I want to learn something here. Yeah. I, I actually want to tune everything out. I want to say, hey, this is something I want to learn something about. Right. And you read it, you watch it, you study it or whatever. We'll remember it. Yeah. But... I know there's a lot of people that they have that same feeling, right? They yeah. they want to read it, they want to study it, they want to learn it, and they got to read it over yeah. and over and over again yeah. to try to ingrain it in their head. And uh, that that kind of sucks for those people yeah. that that really want to get in there and study it and learn it. Yeah. Versus somebody like me or you, who we can say. Yeah, here's something I actually want to learn about. And yeah. so we just kind of blink our eyes and we say, okay, I'm going to learn this right now. And then we learn it yeah. and we remember it. But that's also, again, comes back to, for whatever reason, people can't encode stuff even if they do care about it because other factors come into play of the importance of not remembering that and, the stre and it adds stress or... 
depending on the environment they're in when they're trying to memorize it. Again, there's a lot of things which come in, sure. which is why people don't always remember things the same way, even if they don't have an eidetic memory, that some people can remember things better than others just because of the environment they're in or the importance to remembering it. No, I, I think it's more the importance of remembering it. it. It's the same reason why I can remember a lot of stuff, a lot of random facts that are just stored in my brain that are never going to go away. But my wife can tell me what she's going to do tomorrow, and I won't remember it. Right. We went to uh, Orange Beach, Alabama. Here, this is, I don't know, two or three months ago. The passcode for the, uh, what do you call it, the... Um, condo or right. whatever is sixty eight sixty eight one zero nine four pound. Right. I still remember that. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with this information. Right. right. But but it's stored in my head. I realized that I needed to go ahead and memorize that code because I didn't want to look in yeah. my phone to know what the little keypad was to get into the room because we didn't have a, a swipe card like you have at a normal hotel, right? right? But I'm pretty sure tonight my wife probably told me I need to stop by the store and get something. And I couldn't tell you what I'm supposed to right. go to the store and get. Yeah, I mean, right I can now. still remember. I mean, I don't think. You know, I mean, I can't tell you how many years it's been since I learned the cosine rule, but I still remember A squared plus B squared equals 2BC. Sorry. A squared plus oh, B squared oh, no, minus yeah. 2BC cosine A. Yeah. Or what What was that? Quadratic equation. It's yeah. kind of the same thing. Yeah. Well, I it's don't like, know why. I mean, I've never used it. It's not negative like Negative, uh, whatever. Yeah. And, and, and I've tried to yeah. clear that out of my head. Yeah. But I, I yeah. memorize that. Yeah. It, and you memorize yeah. these bizarre yeah. things. And a lot of people, they struggle with it. Yeah. They truly struggle with trying to memorize some yeah. of this stuff. And, and they say, well, you know, what, why can't I learn this? Sure. Uh, yeah. I've been blessed that I can learn that stuff when I want to know something yeah. and I, I write it down in my head. I've always yeah. said, I have this like spiral notebook in my head that I just make these notes on and right. I can refer back to this spiral yeah. notebook. A kind of rotary card system. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah. it's old school analog, yeah. right? And, yeah. and I can just refer back to that yeah. and I can not think about it for years yeah. and then somebody asked me a question about something that I know I've written down in that spiral notebook and I just go ah, and flip the pages back I'm like yeah. oh here it all is and and I've got it yeah and and not to sound you know bigger than anybody because that's not what I'm trying to do here but some people are blessed with that yeah they really are but at the same respect I can honestly tell you right now, looking at you right now, I don't remember what I had for dinner last night. Right. Because I didn't write it down in right. the spiral notebook because I just, I don't care. Right. I, and yeah. maybe there is some of that, you just don't care about certain yeah. things. You just yeah. forget about it. Mm -hmm. You say, it, this isn't important information. And unfortunately, with that look in memory you choose what's important sure you you choose that hey this is something important this is what i want to remember 
this is happening. I don't see any importance here. I'm not going to remember. Right. Now, do you think it's easier to remember good or bad experiences? Bad. Yeah. Cause, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, because actually remembering bad times becomes more natural. Um, and it's actually got quite a bit to do with evolution. And we recall them easier because of the effect the bad experience I had and that whole cause and effect thing. And we learned to right. try and avoid that. It's hard to sometimes replicate good situations because sometimes it was, you know, this magical alignment of everything and it just turned out good and it is enjoyable. And it's sometimes sure. harder to replicate that. And also you find that when you try and repeat that, it's maybe not as good as the first time. Yeah. But you know, in terms of bad experiences, we also subconsciously, act to avoid those situations whereas to have good experiences we consciously try and recreate those situations right and the subconscious you know has a greater power of kind of the things it keeps and how it affects you without you having to consciously go through that information and so that's why you know bad bad situations you know tend to be more memorable but it's also possible to suppress bad situations if they cause that much stress that much physiological effect, whether through um, learning yourself how to suppress it or just because, again, you subconsciously suppress it, you know, you can actually almost eliminate certain bad experiences, you know, out of, I guess, what your brain is deciding is necessity because it's bad for you to remember those things. Yeah, but sure, think about history. I mean, we always joke about history is always written by the winners, right? But if you read history of anything, there's a lot of bad stuff in history. There's wars that were fought, whether they were won or lost. Uh, uh, lots of bad stuff in there. And we always remember a lot of the bad stuff in history, no matter if it's the winner that wrote the bad stuff. Because it seems always easier to remember the bad things so much easier right yeah and you know i, I wanted to switch actually because i know i kind of brought up that comedian joke about the dog earlier about memory that we and, can't remember by the way the well comedian. i can't remember the exact well no oh who's the comedian he was a, he was a nobody no who's the comedian he was a nobody uh, uh, okay. actually I, actually you know i don't probably don't even know his name because i think i actually just read the quote Oh, not could... just as in just now, but I actually read the quote however many years oh, ago. I'm not, so... not even sure if it said the comedian. So. Yeah, so listen but to be you. Relevant. Li listen to you. It could be a woman, right? No, could w be women she. Are funny. Ah, ooh, <laughs> ooh. Hashtag cancel culture. That's what it said on the internet. Oh, ah, yeah. so okay. Fair enough. Not, I didn't write that. I'm yeah. just repeating what I read. Yeah. Um. So um, if we if we get into the whole thing in memory and animals. It's uh, it really changes from animal to animal in terms of what type of memories they keep, whether it's short term, long term, whether it starts bridging into chemotropic reactions, and so it's not really necessary conscious or even subconscious memory. Gotcha. It's something they just kind yeah. of do in a reaction to stimuli. But um, you know, there's a lot of animals like mice, squirrels, dogs, elephants, and one of my least favorite animals, I think I said on um cats. No, chimpanzees. Cats. Remember I told you I want to punch a chimpanzee yeah, in the face? I, um, I know. Uh, I, yeah. I would like to see a cat and a chimpanzee get in a fight and see which ones we're going to bet on. <laughs> well, we know the chimpanzee is going to win that unless we get a cat Ooh. knife. 
oh, I don't know about that. And, and opposing I, thumbs. No, I don't know about that. No, it, no. You know, that, that, we need to find somebody yeah. in some foreign country, some third world country that might set that fight up. That mean like Mexico? Maybe. <laughs> But the thing is, I could let's make I could, a note. <laughs> let's make a note of this and not follow up on it like well, we do everything. Well, you else. see, the thing is, I couldn't organize it because I dislike chimpanzees so much. I'd probably drug it so it would never win a fight, even against a moth or something. And then I'd be like, "Yeah, the cat's it, obviously the most superior." Yeah, and then machine. I, if I'm responsible for bringing the cats, I just yeah. won't bring yeah. the cat because it's I'm like, just going to let him off well, on the side of the road yeah, and Shepherd, say, why, "Run free." Why is this cat drunk? Yeah, never clear. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, so like those, that section of animals, as well as, you know, most birds, not all birds are smart, by the way, um, they're capable Except of, ducks. Yeah. They're capable of a conscious learning of the world around them, which is called um, semantic memory. Okay. So, you know, all the stimuli from their senses play up, I guess, most of the impact and the memory and what they learn. You know, they don't reason something. Gotcha. You know, cause and effect is very subconscious. They're not, like, writing notes with their non-opposable thumbs in their imaginary notebook or rotary system in their head. Gotcha. You know, they use this semantic memory. But there's actually no evidence that they can remember the past or plan for the future. Ah. So the cause and effect thing they learn is almost entirely chemical memory. There's no reason of like, oh yeah, the last time, you know, I put my head in that refrigerator, my nose got cold and it started aching, or the last time I ate too many ice cubes, I got brain freeze. Right. You know, it's it almost, that cause and effect almost immediately goes into that chemical memory whereby it's never a conscious thing. Whereas we recollect, you know, okay, well, the last time I did this, you know, it hurt a yeah. lot. And that's why we remember it. You know, it's not an in necessarily, for the most part, an instant, you know, reaction to something. A lot, most of the time we kind of react to it through a little bit of reasoning of remembering sure. what happened. And the same thing when we're planning for something like, you know, if a dog couldn't get into something and it wanted to get to, say, some food, it will use methods of trial and error. Right. And then what works becomes... Old school logic. Yeah, it becomes a chemical memory, whereas we might actually reason that, okay, because you can watch a dog try and get in something, and if you were watching it, you'd be like, yeah, I know that's not going to work, but the dog will just keep going on, you know, yeah. through trial and error till it finds something which works, whereas we would actually think, well, I know that's not going to work if I try that, because that's going to be a worse attempt than the first thing I did. Well, so that's, we a, that's a bold statement, because well, I think there's a lot of humans that probably wouldn't well, even go through that. Yeah, yeah I'm sure, but... <laughs> This, um, you know, I mean, dogs, dogs uh, will actually react to trigger words, you know, which is why dogs do the whole sit, blah, blah, blah. But we have to train them, or, or most of the time they're trained through the reward system of being petted or giving yeah, a treat. Pa Pavlov yeah. it, it did the whole yeah. study with the bell. It, you know, when yeah. the bell rang, the dogs knew that they were going to get fed. So yeah. it, it, that's, you what, you that's actually, always based on. Yeah, of. you actually want to look a little bit deeper into that whole thing. There's actually a bit of a nefarious story behind that involving a metronome. Don't spoil that for me. Causing bad don't, physiological don't effects. Don't spoil that for yeah. me. Stop. Yeah. I, I just yeah. picture this yeah. nice German shepherd that... You know, the, the bell rings and Pavlov yeah. says, oh, I rang the bell. You yeah. get some food. And, and, the salivating, and, yeah. and the dog's like, oh, you know, I, I get some food. Oh, nom, 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 yeah. nom. And, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. So let's leave it at yeah. that. I mean, Let, that's, let's not yeah. spoil this. I mean, the basic lesson from that story, the Pavlovian effect, 
most people know but actually some of the deeper studies behind that kind of get into again some of the psychological stuff and other ways you can affect the way that animals react to things like i said it went a little bit of a nefarious route a bit like a kind of a nazi experimentation camp at some point down there it's not necessarily a rabbit hole to get down but sounds like revisionist history and we are (laughs) not gonna do that here right (laughs) but you know i mean dogs i mean they can learn patterns of behavior um you know again through loose kind of cause and effect scenarios but you know they're mainly stimulated by i guess what you'd want to call like chemically inherent memories such as fight flight hunger Sure. Or whether they want something like they want. Well, and, and they always want rewards. I remember when I was in high school, the uh, drug dogs at high school. Yeah. Somebody found out that the reward for a drug dog was a tennis ball. Mm. So what they did was they stacked a locker full of tennis balls, put a little bit of weed in there. The drug dog hit on that. They opened the locker up and all kinds of tennis balls come falling out of that locker. Drove the dog nuts because he was only used to getting one tennis ball. But he's thinking, I smelled just a tiny little bit of weed and now I've got a hundred tennis balls. The dog went nuts. We all laughed about it. So there's always ways around that reward system. Now you'd think with certain drugs like I don't know, cocaine or something, the reward for the drug dog would actually be sniffing the cocaine. Possibly. 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 Yeah, yeah the reward yeah. the reward is finding it in itself. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Now you, um, you know, you 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 just look and you say, Hey Buster, come here. You can have a little hit off this. You you can have a little sniff. You found it. You get to share a little bit. Yeah. You know, it, that's okay. Yeah. You know, let me roll this joint up and let you smoke a little bit of this. You know, good dog. Yeah, I'm not sure that scenario kind of All right. plays well, out. Yeah, that's my yeah. pretend world. Now, um, you know, with mammals specifically, I mean, they, you know, they don't follow, I guess, that four main part of memories that humans have. Now, once you get outside of mammals... Oh, oh, in the what what are the four main parts of memory? Because I've already <laughs> forgot about them. Sensory, short-term, working, and long-term. Oh, okay. Right? All right. So, Thank you for that. Yeah. Now, many... Because, an- <laughs> see, like most of our podcasts, I'm not paying that right. much attention. Yeah. So I've already no. forgot about it, it those. It was past the 20 to 30 second limit. But, yeah. Um, you know, mammals, uh, they kind of have the short-term and the long-term. And they have uh, something else called specialized memory. Now, outside of mammals, you know, once you get into insects again, that's when you're starting to get into chemotropics and not really a central nervous system that, you know, allows for any type of reason or learned behavior whatsoever outside of it will keep trying doing something. And as long as the stimuli doesn't kill it, um, that it will continue doing the same thing over and over again, regardless of how many times it's failed just simply because of that chemical memory. It doesn't learn anything by, you know, default, no cause and effect. There's absolutely no rationale in there whatsoever. Right. So, I mean, you know, mammals as such, you know, they tend to have the short-term and the specialized memories, but they also have a limit on what type of information they store, mm. you know, for specialized types of memory. But once they remember them, they tend to be stored in a longer term. So say, um, you know, if you teach your dog, you know, to hate, you know, everybody who isn't wearing jeans, 
it can be taught that they're going to be aggressive towards everybody who isn't wearing jeans. Eventually, right. it's a very specialized type of memory. Now, it might take you a long time to teach or, the dog what's the difference between slacks and jeans or whatever, but theoretically, it can be taught that you can get your dog to be aggressive to everybody who doesn't wear jeans. Sure, but there could also be something that is an adverse reaction to that memory yeah. because somebody that was wearing jeans and comes out and punches could, them in the face. could have yeah. done something bad yeah. to that mm-hmm. dog. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, yeah. everybody wearing jeans yeah. is mean oh, yeah. to me. So I, I'm mad at everybody that's wearing jeans, but... That same person could have jeans on, walk up to the dog, yeah. the dog is growling, whatever. They walk away, they go throw a pair of shorts on, come back up to the dog. Now the dog's happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I've seen this firsthand when I was younger. Uh, had a just super friendly dog, loved everybody. But I remember my uncle, who is now deceased, wore like this black pair of combat boots, almost kind of like a pair of Doc Martens, but more combat bootish, and kicked my dog Mm -hmm. when I was younger. And so me and my family, I'm, I'm young, me and my family go out of town. We ask the neighbors, hey, will you feed the dog? So the neighbor comes over and just happens to have on a black pair of what kind of looks like combat boots. And my dog, who knows this person, is growling and snarling at them. And she, woman, by the way, she's trying to figure out why is the dog so upset? What, what am I doing different? Takes off the boots... And now my dog's happy. Mm, yeah. And he's totally fine with her with without wearing yeah. the boots. But remembers, I got kicked by somebody wearing boots right. that looked just like that. Yeah. So I don't want to get kicked again. So I'm being defensive. Sure. And that's, you know, again, why, you know, that there's not really much much of any kind of logic going on because even at a very young age i mean like infants learn the concept of object permeance of like you know where you hide something and it's uh, initially think oh it's disappeared and one of the key kind of marks in a child's development is that realization of object permeance it doesn't mean the object's disappeared it just means it's It's a whole game of peekaboo where yeah whereas so you know like a lot of mammals don't you know grasp that concept they think if they can't see it's like when you pretend throw the ball you know, they think it's yeah. thrown because they can't comprehend or there is no comprehension or attempted comprehension that... This, that, that somebody would that fake somebody me out. somebody would fake me out, you know. Exactly. But, um, you know, dolphins and elephants are a bit of an exception to the rule in terms yeah. of how their memories work. I mean, an elephant... That's because they're gray and slimy. <laughs> well, I mean, an elephant can display, you know, what we were talking about earlier, the kind of eidetic, you know, photographic type memory. And... But you have to think, well, how many things does an elephant have to remember, you know, in the natural habitat? You know, it's right. Not, it doesn't really have many predators. Most of its uh, terrain is the same. And so, you know, how many things really does it have to remember? You know, um, whereas with dolphins, I mean, dolphins can recognize themselves in a mirror, which is a bit of a mystery to me because I think they all look the same. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Oh, they do. But they have, but they also have an advanced language system, which will actually develop. They have different dialects to that language. And, you know, one dolphin meets a dolphin from a different school of dolphins as such. 
Although that's not the right word for a collection of dolphins, is it? It's not a school uh, of dolphins, not. it's something it's else of dolphins. It's like a, a group yeah. of flippers, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but, but, anyway, it, they, but, they, but they, now that, that goes yeah. back to, it, like when I've got on to you before, when you've been around your British friends, and you know they've come over to my house, and, and you and one of your British friends start talking, I can't understand a word y'all are saying. Because you get into that dialect. You you have certain words that kind of go back and forth. You're speaking English, but can't understand a word yeah. you're saying. So, yeah. it's same thing. Mm. Now, I know we were talking about, and we've mentioned actually multiple times, about forgetting certain things. What do you did, know? Did we say that? Because sure, I already forgot. I remember looking it up. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, we uh, did we forgot. We, yeah. I, I definitely forgot. <laughs> no, we talked about. Uh, are are yeah. there four? There are four types <laughs> of memory because I've four already basic. forgot about those yeah. again. Even yeah. though you reminded me, yeah. I've already forgot basic. about those. Yeah. So, um, you know, there are methods to bring back memories you've forgotten, depending on how, I guess, important your brain and your subconscious considered those. Oh, memories. are we going to talk about hypnosis? Uh, well, hypnotic regression, because when we talk about hypnosis, you know, you might think about, you know, going to see a hypnotist to try and stop you from smoking or to bark like a dog on a stage in front of people. But, right. you know, hypnotic regression um, basically takes account of the fact that the mind, you know, filters out certain experiences out of the normal memory and it does it automatically. Again, it's like very difficult to consciously suppress or forget something in fact it almost has the opposite effect because you're thinking about what you're trying to forget ah. and it just repeats so many times that you actually end up remembering right. it more than you wanted to and so um you know you can suppress specific memories and experiences but you know with hypnotic regression a lot of those memories can be accessed or revisited but again it comes in with some controversy and i think we mentioned on one of our previous podcasts about you know falsely implanting memories of incidences that never occurred or slightly changing the details of that so that again somebody you absolutely are 100% convinced you saw a crime scene you know a hypnotist could maybe throw some doubt in there that perhaps that person you know wasn't as tall as you thought they were you know drew the gun with the left hand rather than the right hand didn't have a gun at all uh, can actually adjust your recollections i mean it's not without its controversy because it can be manipulated you right know. you could have a let's say a media machine get behind memories and say there were three movies that came out in the star wars saga made by disney in the skywalker saga that were good and make you try to believe they were actually good when they weren't. That would take some pretty deep hypnosis. You see, I think what you're talking about is subliminal programming in ah, terms of, okay. you know, wherever a message is repeated or, you know, often enough that you start believing it. Yeah. And it, these are good. Yeah. These are good movies. These are really yeah. good. But what they're, what? they're great movies. But again, what? what Not only are they great <laughs> if you don't like them. Then there's, there's wrong something with wrong yeah, with you. Yeah. It, th these are great. And so you need to get behind these movies. But that's also something which, you know, people actually misunderstand when you talk about subliminal messaging. I mean, sometimes it can be hidden in plain sight. And again, I think this is something we spoke about on a previous podcast about flash frames. Yeah. The use of flash frames and the use of product placement. Right. You know, 
and even you know, in the movies the whole but, let's go out to yeah. the movies <laughs> and they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they've got the coke and they so, got the popcorn like i want yeah. a coke and a popcorn but people assume that subliminal is something hidden and it just kind of builds up to give you a message but like i said a lot of subliminal subliminal messaging can actually be in plain sight like i said like product placement or like you said about if it's repeated enough times oh yeah this these are the three best movies and you know the star right. wars trilogies you know, there comes to a point now, depending on how much bias you have, subliminal messaging might not work. Okay? Right. So because we hate the Skywalker trilogy yes. so much, that's never going to yeah, work the, on us. The, the sequels. Yeah. Yes. Now with um, George Lucas or Disney, you're listening to this, which I highly doubt. If you want to pay us money, next episode we'll say it is the best trilogy ever written. Absolutely. We will sell out in an instant. We just want you to know that. Oh, that, that is 100% yeah. correct. <laughs> So, um, like we I said, will sell out. Yeah. So the hypnotic regression thing, like I said, it, it's a facet of hypnotism, but you don't want to confuse it with hypnotism because it, again, it branches off into very different things. I mean, hypnotic regression, you know, you can use that in criminology and, you know, there has been plenty of, um, cases in court where the evidence given by hypnotic regression has been very pertinent to a case. Right. And, and by the way, there's always been cases where they've convinced people that they've committed crimes yeah. oh, that yeah. they haven't mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. might be a podcast, but, yeah. uh, we're going to forget about that yeah. because yeah. I mean, we're talking about memory and yeah. we're definitely going to forget about oh, yeah. it why we should yeah. actually talk about that now i did actually want to end on the, how you can improve your memory okay as, uh, oh most, no most no people want to be able no, to improve that no memory. we yeah. we we should in this podcast try to give some kind of service to our listeners right. so how can we improve on our memory right now the, the most basic way actually um is i already actually, forgot what you said <laughs> is living a healthier lifestyle so i mean oh. things such as diet exercise better quality sleep, I mean, that will actually enable your brain to work more so, effectively. And so diet, diet, exercise, better quality of sleep. Uh, yeah. Uh, so those three, are three things I need things. to look at. So yeah, can't, can't do any of those. Right. So, okay. so help me out. Right. How can I do something other than those? Well, I mean, there's things which, you know, obviously affect your memory, such as heavy drinking. But that, I mean, that's not always a bad thing. You know, I always say like, I've never, you have I've never with... drank any alcohol except for Alien Ale <laughs> that our buddy Jason DeBoard from Martian Margaritas brings to us. Those are the only beers that you and I have ever drank. Well, I mean, I always have to, this to the best yeah. of my recollection, yeah, yeah. which I have a terrible memory, apparently. I always say to people that, you know, if I said something offensive or did something, you know, when I drank some alcohol, take it up with me again when I get drunk because I can't remember. Hey, it, it take kinda, it up with drunk me. I'm not responsible. Right, it, sober me is not responsible for drunk. You know, me. not not to go off into the music aspect, but I remember the song by Evanescence. Uh, it's you Which know, one? call me when you're sober. Don't remember. There's a good message behind that. Uh, same thing with uh, the band Lit. Uh, my own worst enemy. Oh right, yeah, yeah. You know, it, and there's a line in that song. Uh, I can't believe the things I said when said I was drunk. When I, I was didn't drunk. mean to call you that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, yeah. I, look, I am super guilty of that. I, I may or may not have had some beverages that caused me to say some things that I regret. I think we all do it at a certain point. And in those that don't have those beverages and don't say that, you know what? Good on you, but 
uh, sometimes we we say things that we do regret and we don't really mean them. Well, I can't actually remember if I actually agreed to do these podcasts. You told me I did, but I don't know if you made it up. That's a secret. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, you asked. I told you. <laughs> and, and, and so that goes back to your yeah. bad memory. Yeah. You, you yeah. asked, um, or I'm mad drunk, I can't remember. Um, but you did ask what other things you can do, obviously, to improve uh-huh. your memory. Now, mental exercises, you know, like word okay. games, puzzles, a- any type of that stuff, you know, which keeps your mental skills and memory sharp. Gotcha. You know, it's proven to delay or even, you know, partially offset Alzheimer's. It, it, is that why they have all the puzzles in, like, old folks' homes? Yeah. Trying to get them, them to do puzzles? Yeah. So, it, it, because you, you've got, like, a hundred-piece puzzle, yeah. and you can put a bunch of old folks on there, and it's like... Is that to improve their memory or is that to give them something to do for a week? Well, there's two things from this. One, okay. uh, after doing a little bit of research on Alzheimer's, I forgot how to spell Alzheimer's, Crown. But um, also... Is it because you might have early onset Alzheimer's? I don't think so. Okay. How would I know? Well, of course. Of course <laughs> I wouldn't you know. Don't know. I wouldn't know. Yeah. You I'm have not, it. I might welcome it to an extent. I don't know. I am not a doctor, but <laughs> I am telling you right now, you have early onset Alzheimer's. You, you never have to give that disclaimer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's just like that. We're not experts, but... But... But um, anyway, with Alzheimer's, it's you, interesting you, you actually brought that up. But do, do you know... Do, I, you, do you remember what you just said? About what? Exactly. You have <laughs> Alzheimer's. Well, so go ahead. There's um between 75 and 84-year-olds... Uh, 17%, which is roughly about one-sixth, have Alzheimer's. And once you get to 85 plus uh, 32%, or roughly a third of people have Alzheimer's. So, I mean, it's definitely something which affects sure. huge proportions. So any of those right. type of exercises they can do to either delay or offset it is very, very important. But yeah, certain yeah. traits of Alzheimer's can actually kick in even in the 40s and 50s. If you're somebody who does a repetitive job where... You can almost go into, you know, uh, pilot mode. You know, you just don't right. really... Autopilot uh, auto mode. Autopilot mode, yeah. You don't kind of pay much attention to it and your brain's not really being challenged. You always use comfort zones. You watch comfort TV shows where there's right. too much imposition. There's no thought required to work out the plot or who did it or whatever that your brain can actually start declining you lose that kind of, I think it's called uh, neuroplasticity, but we'll get onto that on another podcast when I want to talk about learning, different methods of learning. Yeah, we'll but, never remember that. <laughs> I will that one, actually, because I wrote that down. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it can actually But you forgot where you wrote that down on the piece of paper. Oh, no, I put it in my phone. I texted oh. myself. Um, <laughs> well, I it's, it's I good that you yet. have somebody that actually so I've got you. that. Little, so I've got that little annoying number on my text, which has a one on it. And so, uh, you know, uh, until I hit that button and I clear it, I'm going to remember that. Uh, I need to write uh, that Look up. at you go. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, it's important for people to try and work on improving their memory. Yes. Challenging their brain because no, a loss in, of in, memory can occur way earlier than most people think. It right. And, 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 and let's, all kidding aside, I mean, this is a serious problem. I yeah. mean, it really is. And it's kind of sad yeah. when you, you know, you see people get, it, it in your examples, even in 40s or 50s and, and especially in the later stages of life where where the memory goes and you sit there and kind of going back to my example of you walk into a room and you say, why'd I come into this room? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it really sucks. And the people that suffer from this, they know it sucks. They don't, they're yeah. proud. Mm-hmm. They, they don't want to say that, you know, their memory's shot and they're having problems. But it sucks. It yeah. really sucks. And, and not to put a downer on the end of the podcast, but it does suck. And, and we hate to see that yeah. happen with people, but it does. Yeah. It, it really does. On the plus side, though, in this age of COVID, Oh, that's right. See, yeah. I forgot, forgot to mention. I that it was forgot the age of COVID. to mention that we are in yeah. the age of COVID. That, so there, yeah. there's one the, thing. It, the, there see, are the, the stay at home. It happens yeah. to the best of us. The, the stay at home orders, you know, continue. Or there's a lot of lockdowns that you know the people with Alzheimer's, if they're having to do too much social distancing, when it comes to Easter, they can at least hide their own eggs. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's point. That's a benefit of Alzheimer's during this yeah, age but, of COVID. But, so. but even if you talk about that mm. age of COVID, if you take away some of those outside influences, the ability for them to go and do things and interact or whatever, and you limit everything to parking somebody yeah. in their house, then eventually you got the TV... And it's the same crap on TV all day long. Hell, it's the same stuff that we talk about on the podcast most of the time. I mean, yeah, we have different topics, but we talk about a lot of the same stuff. And you park somebody somewhere, and they're trying to get their faculties about them, trying to to figure out something to do. They're going to go nuts. They're going to go absolutely nuts. That's not a PC term, by the way, going nuts. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> write that down because I'm going to forget yeah. that yeah. I can't say they're so, nuts. Somebody with Alzheimer's has gone nuts. I don't yeah, know that. I don't know absolutely. Yeah. And so with that said about going nuts, thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Apparently, I've gone nuts here, and I probably forgot about everything that I've said. So we'll catch you on the next one.